Hello and welcome to another episode of Racing with Roman, special presentation here on the In the Money Media Network. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital. Very happy to bring in right now the man for whom the show is named, our sponsor, and a guy who's uh, been giving out some pretty good opinions on these shows, including a nice shot, uh, shout out to a 10 to 1 winner last week. Not a top pick 10 to 1, but one that was given a very, very nice uh, uh, mention, and I certainly used in exotics on his say so. He is Lawrence P a.k.a. Larry. Roman. Larry, what's going on, man? Thank you, Pistol Pete. I think it was actually 11 or 12 to 1 <laughs> with, with Staffy Joseph, yep. but, you know, who's counting? <laughs> it, was but, a good, it was a good one, for sure. Before we what, get into the races today, Larry, there's a couple of areas I wanted to touch on with you, starting with a little bit about your background. And, you know, obviously you, you love racing, but it, it's, it feels like it's more of a passion, more of a, a hobby for you. What did you do or what do you do in your professional career? Okay, what I did, um, I'm on the outskirts right now, but I was in the construction, New York construction industry uh, from the time I was in my early 20s. Um, was very involved, actually, uh, only union. I only did union work. Um, I bought and sold my company a couple of times. Uh, it's a very complex business. New York construction yeah. is like nothing else. And, you know, so I grew up um, in that industry, and it was always under uh, sort of suspicion. Uh, I mean, you had you know, people going to jail, payoffs. You know, I'd watch all these shows. You know, from the 80s and 90s, you can still watch them. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield made jokes about, you know, the cost of construction. You have to pay off all the delegates and all, and all this stuff. I mean, and every show, uh, uh, what was his name? Peter Falk, Columbo, yep. when they used the uh, construction materials, the cheap construction materials on concrete and all this stuff. So, you know, you come from this background where everybody's doubting uh the industry for good reason, really for good reason. Uh, and fortunately, I think that our industry, I'm proud, evolved. It really evolved. And I'm not going to say there's not a little cheating going on here and there and those guys, but compared to what was going on, uh, it evolved into a much more professional, much cleaner, uh, doing things the right way. And, and I'd love to see you know, the integrity. And, and I use that similarly, I think our sport has as well. You know, again, you watch those shows, the same shows that made fun of the construction industry. Every horse race was fixed. Mm -hmm. Everybody, you know, every race, they had a stinger on the horse and they buzzed the horse. And I mean, just all the shows always had construction and horse racing uh, as low lives. And, and I really do believe our sport, because that's the sport I'm passionate about uh, more than any other sport, has really evolved into a really good game. Uh, yeah, we had problems. We had problems a few years ago, and I commend the FBI and all those who were involved in exposing uh, the few. And I'll say, yeah, there were a handful, but that's all it was, of people who were wrongdoing. You know, and, and again, there are levels of wrongdoing. If somebody had a trace of something that could have come from the air, I don't think that that's a major issue, as opposed to some of these people who were just doing it as, as part of their everyday routine. And so uh, those people have been eliminated from the sport. They've 
paid a very, very heavy price. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, we will stay and keep getting better and evolve better. In the construction industry where I was, uh, I was always fearful because I had that sometimes six or 700 people working out in the field on 20 different job sites. And I said, how can I keep control of what everybody's doing? And I went and I hired outside integrity monitors, former prosecutors. And I said to them, look, I want to do things the right way. I want to sleep at night. Go out, look at anything you want. And if you see anything wrong that my people are doing, go on and out. I want to know about it. And we want to prevent it. We want to prevent it before it becomes a problem. And to be honest with you, it worked very, very well. Not to say that you're always on, we're always under the microscope. Sure. Uh, but I think in, you know, we can look at that in, in these big barns. I, I don't know how they do it. Uh, Pletcher has how many horses do these people have? 500,000? I don't even know. Asmussen, I don't know how, how they even keep control over it. And I do believe that that these trainers, you know, for, be, for good reason, don't want to get into any trouble. They see what happens. But again, you're, you're the trainer and you're responsible for everything. And it's pretty hard to control uh, 500 different uh, horses that are having different grooms and uh, sub trainers and, and, and everything like that. So those are the stories. Those are the stories you hear, Larry, that a guy like Pletcher, who is obviously an excellent horseman, but he's also got a lot of CEO in him. You know, there's a lot right. of ability to find the right trusted lieutenants to carry out, like you said, the sub trader. The, the, there's another whole part of the operation. And, you know, when you put a really good team of people together who you can trust, you can expand to the degree that they have without losing what makes them special, you know, by through whatever education process you go through to work with, with Todd Pletcher. And we've seen so many of his old assistants go on to be great trainers themselves. We, we've seen it happen. I mean, you know, you got to figure that's a big part of their success. And to your earlier point about the overage is, uh, you know, legal medication overages as opposed to, you know, what we would call doping and the way that this stuff sometimes gets reported to me. It's bizarre that they would conflate those two things because they're very different. And yeah, reminds me of some recent remarks from uh, Mike Rapoli and, and, you know, what he's trying to accomplish in the ways that, that he's trying to help the sport. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the thing is what I learned from construction and uh, being in that industry and doing virtually mostly public works. I dealt with government most of the time. I learned they make the rules. We follow their rules. We try to uh, um, cajole them. Uh, we try to have meetings. But at the end of the day, they make the rules. And our job is to follow them. And there were a lot of times certain things that they had I did not agree with. But it didn't matter. Those were the rules. And we had to follow the rules that that they had. So I think it's a good idea to try to cajole them. But the truth is, whether your name is Rapoli or Doug or any of the high level guys that are there, uh, you know, Claravich, right? okay, the sport will go on without you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter who you are. We have a lot of billionaires in our sport or guys worth hundreds of millions, very famous people uh, uh, that are involved in the sport. But the sport will live without them, and we have to learn to try to change it, but understand that whatever rules they make, 
we have to follow. We get to the point where we can't. And I've been there a couple of times. I just said, it's, it's getting crazy. Uh, then you have to leave the sport. You know, it's just a sport. <laughs> we'll live without the sport. I mean, I can still go to the racetrack, but um, it, it's, it's just, a, it's such a hard thing. And I do think, and I want to say this, this is why I do this show. This is say, I think we're doing much, much better as an industry. And I don't even question, you know, years ago when I started, you know, back in the eighties in the sport, you know, you'd say, Oh, you thought the race might be fixed. The guy was not trying the jack. I, I never think that anymore. I think these jockeys are out there and this is the best group of jockeys I've ever seen in my life. One after the other. And they're out there every race giving 110%. And so I'm, I'm really thrilled with, with the sport. And I understand it doesn't make uh, New York times is not going to write an article. Racing is doing so much better. Racing <laughs> deaths are down, but you're never going to see it. Right. You know, you're never going to see it. All you're going to write is see that one time when somebody did something wrong and they're going to make it uh, as headline news so that all the people who don't understand racing, I go, oh, your sport is fixed. Your sport is this. Well, you know, you and I and the people in this sport know 99%. We are, I don't know if I say, I say 98%. 98% trying to do our best and do it the right way. And so I like to get on my pedestal and preach for the sport that I love. I'm, I'm glad you do. I'm glad you do. And, you know, we as fans can try to be armed with some of this correct information, whether it's about the aftercare side of things or the integrity of of, uh, of jockeys or whatever it is and, and be able to, to disseminate that that information when people, you know, it can be annoying when people ask you questions. It's like, especially when the news cycle is bad for racing, I dread speaking to civilians about it, but especially in times when, you know, you're not on the heels of something like what we had to deal with at Saratoga this summer. I'm usually very happy to have honest and, and frank conversations about racing and, and some of the things that we do right. In addition to the things that we do wrong. Right. right. And I wish, I wish we could bring, spend money and bring these people who are, they're usually good people. They're just like, they don't know, they don't understand the sport. Uh, oh, and they watch these shows and they hear, read the articles. And, but I'd rather bring them down to the barn. Let them meet the people that are taking care of the horses. Let them watch and see how happy the horses are. Every day, the horses are going out jogging. The male horses are looking at the fillies, having a great time. They love what they're doing. The horses love what they're doing. And and you have to be there and see it. And then, well, you know, yeah, you, maybe you're right. So I think we need to do more education of, of the vast majority of people who really know nothing about racing. And most people are reasonable and really do our best to convince them that what I'm saying is the truth. Okay. I think it is, and and you know I've seen it. You go to a retirement farm, and you'll you'll see horses racing each other uh, just for fun. You know, it's this is this right. literally bored to run. And I think of an organization like Horse Country and the great work they're doing in Kentucky to bring people out to these farms and see the world that you're describing, Larry. I think we got to dive into these races from a timing point yeah, of view. I'm ready. I know you need to get out to Gulfstream. I got to get ready yeah. for my day. We're going to start off with the seventh race at Gulfstream a little bit later in right. the card, which helps the shelf life of the show. That's a good thing. 3.08 p.m. Eastern is the scheduled post time for this three-year-old maiden special weight event 
for a mile and a 16th on the turf. We have one scratch in here. It's the number five, River Walk. The other nine look to be going to post. Who is it you're interested in in this race? Okay, well, that was one of the horses I was going to talk about. So let's look at first the favorite, Triple Espresso. Okay, well-bred uh, Colt out of Omaha Beach, out of an Indian Charlie Mare. They give 350 for him. Uh, he ran his last race at Aqueduct. I watched the race. I bet against him as four to five. He had a now he outside. I, I bet against him because he's outside, and I think it's hard on the turf unless you're a real front runner and, and a certain type of horse. Yep, ten of ten horse, that day. Yep. Yeah, it was ten of ten. But the horse broke well. Okay, he broke well. Ortiz had him in a perfect striking position, second over. Pace was moderate. He's just following, following. Then he goes on the turn and he tries to make him go three wide. Now, when you, your horse is going three wide on a turn, he should be going on his own. And Ortiz was pumping, right, pumping. Now I know there's trouble. There's trouble if he's pumping. And then a horse from behind him comes and blows past him. And that was like, okay, was there any trouble? I didn't see any trouble. I thought it was a perfect trip that he was given. Just didn't have enough horsey. Yep. He just didn't. So I'm looking and going, all right, now 7 to 5 in the morning line. Errat Ortiz, Todd Fletcher, they're going to bet him down to 4 to 5. I just can't see betting this sort. So Riverwalk was one I thought had a shot, but then I looked at a couple of others. So I, I look at this horse, St. Elias Stables, okay? This is, they're not partners with Napoleon on this one. Uh, 12 to 1, but the same thing, Todd Fletcher. Uh, Paco Lopez is hot as a pistol there. Justify out of a hard spun mare. Hard spuns are good on turf. Justify is proven good on turf. Yep. Why can't this horse win? We live Why this game is the name. The two runner you're talking about. The right. St. Elias uh, yes. solo horse with, yeah, some very interesting breeding for turf for sure. On both sides, you go back, you know, you go back one generation in, in each side of the pedigree and you see Scat Daddy and you see, uh, and you see dancing, right? So it's uh, very, very interesting for sure. And you know, and you notice he was training with Triple Espresso, uh, so they were training against each other. Uh, the last one, they they both went four furlongs in forty nine, um, right? The same date. One was said he was breezed, and the other one says breezed from the gate. So, but they trained the same day at the same time. So, I mean, wouldn't you rather bet at least the horses 12 to 1 in the morning line? Now, I also like, as a, a chance, a pretty good chance, I think, this horse Modica has. Uh, also, another hard spun. Uh, this horse is uh, just always in the mix. Once he got away 12, he uh, was far back. The last one, another full field of 12. He was off a bit slow. But he's got moved inside a little bit. He's got uh, Velasquez, who's doing fairly well here. I think considering that, you know, it's not a really great field, but considering that this horse is, a, you know, a decent horse and there's nothing that great, I want to get a price. I refuse to bet triple espresso at four to five. What say you? I'm very, very similar to you. We actually talked about this race on another show 
And my thought on Triple Espresso was this is a real doesn't-have-to-win type favorite. I mean, you made the points about the trip, and then I'll also make the point about the form. I mean, Cugino came back to run okay last week on that race we talked about. I think was second in that race, but, you know, not, not great, a little bit of figure regression. I mean, the horse is obvious, but I'm not interested in four to five, which is what the horse is going to be. I did not come up with your two. I think that horse is interesting. You know, on your say-so, might find a way to get that one in for a penny. My only fear there was just the whole, you know, first-time starter going long thing. But that is a club Todd Pletcher can have in his bag. So, I mean, certainly makes sense at a price. Modica I like quite a bit. I think he's just going to get a perfect trip under Velasquez. I imagine he's going to try to sit behind speed and do, like, his little inside-out move. Or, or maybe if they're not going that fast, even that sort of trip that he does on dirt a lot of times where he's sort of forward, three wide. Um, I could see that working, too, potentially, from Odika. And the other one I wanted to mention was the nine, Live to Ride. Yeah. This horse, I thought, was just massively against the flow last time. And nothing against Kenny McPeak, who's, you know, a friend of the show and excellent. But it's an yeah. interesting barn switch to Brendan Walsh, who I see as a grass specialist, who's been so unlucky this meet. And I think like that random variance might be ready to go in his favor. I was going to try nine four. I think it's possible triple espresso is going to be over bad enough. I might be able to just throw your two right in there and go nine four two to try to take down the obvious favorite in this race. Okay. Well, I do like your nine. Also, I I did have him circled a little bit. Uh, like I said, I don't love outside posts, but I love Kingman. <laughs> yeah. I think he's one of those. You know, uh, overseas uh, sires that you, you just got to respect. And I saw the uh, the barn change, although Walsh is showing only one for 23, but we know who he is. Yeah. You know, we know how good Lots he is. Lots of seconds and thirds. He's been very unlucky. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as a real long shot, this was Black Diamond is in the upcoming sale. Uh, Lodenbach has a elk, a dispersal yeah. coming up. And this horse is in the sale. He's a street sense at a war front, so he's certainly a bred for turf. He had one start on the turf, battled the entire way, finished third. Uh, I'm not thinking he's going to win, but I'm thinking this horse at the odds, you know, probably 12, 14 to 1, you know, use him in your exotics rather than using a three to five. Seven. Now, by the way, Irad does this to me all the time. Irad will win by three. I, 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 can't, I just can't. I'm sorry. I get it. Black Diamond also, you mentioned the 10-runner, first-time gelding. So another reason why that one might be able to move up. So definitely some interesting ideas. We probably just knocked Triple Espresso right into the winner's circle. But even if we did, that's fine. <laughs> it's it's not that we say the horse can't win. We're saying he's not a good bet at the price he's extremely likely to be. So we'll, we'll uh, hopefully be able to get some money there in race number seven at Gulfstream. Right. Shall we move right along to the next one in case we have any uh, double ideas? Yeah, let's do it. Florida bread allowance, we've got three scratches in here. So take out the three, the eight, and the nine. Looking at what's left of this field, Larry, I think this cruising man um, might be tough just because of the pace advantage. But knowing you, I'm guessing you didn't pick this race to give out another horse that might be odds on. What were your thoughts on race number eight? Well, you're right in my logic. But what I didn't realize it was all these scratches which just came late so i'm going to apologize to all my fans that i was not aware because i thought the way i looked at it with those horses in there was going to be a little more of a speed battle sure and uh i like this horse you know i just tend to go with sharp horses as opposed to class horses that are dropping down yeah i like horses that are sharp. this two horse is so sharp and the horse won three in a row okay 
He's stepping up in class. You know, he's been beating 10 claimers. I don't, I don't know why this horse has been racing in 10 claimers. People must be crazy. Uh, the, the horse is running an 86 buyer. Yeah. In New York, an 86 buyer is getting you a 40 to 50 claimer. And he's winning for fun. And again, he's got Paco who's riding hot. But, you know, now with the three scratches, uh, and we know the seven is going to control the race. There's no doubt about that. To me, I would just say, just box the two seven. I don't care what it's going to pay. Just box the two seven. There's no other horse that's going to be there. And, you know, you'll take your uh, exact and walk away with a few bucks that you can use in the later race. I, I, I like that logic. Different. Yeah. No, I like that yeah. logic a lot. I mean, cruising man, probably tough on the lead, but heels the soul should be right there. This looks like a good two number spot. One thing I wanted to ask you as a guy who plays the claiming game uh, as much as you do, one thing I also liked about your heels the soul is just the idea of how many times this horse has been claimed in recent starts. I figure like that's a proxy for having the inside information that this is a very sound runner. The fact that different trainers keep uh, keep grabbing him. Yes, yes, and you see, he's, you know, coming back every month, which is what these horses normally race, and he's, his numbers are just getting better. I mean, in his last race, he was outside, parked the whole way. Look at that. I mean, just look at the 43 and 3. <laughs> That's lightning. That's for a 10 claimer. Yeah. Are we kidding? 43 and 3. And then the horse draws away, you know, shakes clear. So, uh, I don't know. I, I got to, you know, he's much more my type of horse uh, than the seven, but the seven is a very, very strong horse running. Also strong numbers going to be up there. I just, I, like I said, I'm boxing. We'll the play the exact better price. Yeah. And worst case, you're going to make a few dollars, but that's the exact for sure. Let's proceed to race number 10, where we've got an allowance race with another key scratch. This was a horse that I certainly would have wanted to talk about in this race, who's not competing. The number five, Super Chow, is out. A runner who I thought had okay. the, the speed to potentially control. Three to one on the morning line. Um, so we are left with a field of eight in this spot. And, gosh, I wonder now, a couple of horses with the most profile in this race, Baby Yoda, let it ride. Do they have it between them with that key scratch, or, or can we get something in here at a little bit more of a price, Larry? All right. Well, that definitely helps. And the interesting thing is, look, with Let It Ride, nice, beautiful bred horse candy ride out of a pioneer of the Nile mare. Uh, the horse, November, goes and wins by five lanes. Looks like any kind of horse, right? It just looks like he's so improving. And then they go and take them, take Lasix off. Am I reading this right, or am I making some mistake? I mean, why would you? Take well, I a think Lasix isn't allowed in stakes in Maryland. Oh, okay, okay. So, uh, the, um, which of course is always confusing to yes. you know to me. But okay, so the horse runs a terrible six. He's okay. It's a stakes race, blah blah blah. But he was terrible. So now he's getting his Lasix back, not racing in Laurels, got Ortiz. Uh, the race I really like was November 4th, where he was off the pace. They went 46. He was, you know, he was back a little bit, made his move, and just drew away. Now, Baby Yoda, of course, what is he going to do? Is Velasquez going to gun him out? There is other speed. You know, this three horse. Uh, take away his last race, go back to Gulf Street. Swartz was 
on or just off the lead, 44 and change. So I think uh, with Arad, he's going to go. I think he's going to go. And I think he's, I think he's got a shot. I, and I don't know. Again, it's, when, when you're on the rail, first of all, sometimes on the rail, they don't break as well. Uh, number two, sometimes on the rail, you go, hey, I don't want to get into a speed duel, so I'll let him go, and then I'll stalk him. So I'm using, like you said, I thought the five was in there, was in, and there was going to be more, more of a speed. But I think it's just a box one, two, three. Uh, and I, I looking to you also to say, well, what do you think of this? I mean, if this two is at his best, is there anybody who could beat him? with the Lasix, or maybe he just wasn't good his last start. Now, I think I'm going to give him a pass for the Lasix. Now, I don't have any inside info on this, but even just looking like the, at the running line there, just looks like a spot where he probably bled at least a little bit. And I think Lasix is just going to be this horse's friend, and he's going to get such a positive trip out there. Whether or not Irad wants to go, or if Johnny wants to go down at the rail, I, I don't think Let It Ride necessarily needs a lead. I mean, look how nicely he settled in that allowance race at Aqueduct back on, the, back on November 4th. So I think he holds all the cards. Baby Yoda fits on the numbers. He's just been such a long time between drinks. He's, you know, an epic money burner. And I just, I have trouble, you know, also breaking from the rail at seven. They, like you said, they often will break half a step slow. That, that could be tricky. I just think that Capture the Lion's an interesting alternative to Let It Ride, but I think I'm going to mostly press up Let It Ride. If if they all break well and it falls apart, I guess then you got to bring in a runner like uh, Loyal Company running as a gelding for the first time on the on the dirt after you know running okay in some stakes races uh, going seven. That horse isn't out of it. I just I'm I just think that they might not go that fast, right? If we rad breaks. Right. If Jose, you know, Jose and Irad don't duel often, let's be honest, that's just a fact. Um, right. You know, and, and I think I think Jose will be fit to, to sit. So, like, yeah, I guess the race really comes down to tactics and what's the break going to be on Baby Yoda. If he doesn't break well, I love this. It's just a two, two number, you know, two, three, three, two, either way. If Baby Yoda breaks, it could get interesting, but I'm probably just going to, you know, key the two, bet the two to win, and key the two maybe with the three and maybe a smaller um, seven-two kind of situation in case this loyal company gets going flying from the back of the pack. Okay, so uh, you know, interesting things. You know, I'm surprised you didn't mention. I don't like the horse, but I think he's going to get a lot of money. Is Deer District, the eight horse, and that was one of the reasons why I liked the race because I thought this horse would be over bet because. I mean, he's got these tremendous buyers. Yeah, he won a, a, a an allowance race by nine and a half lengths with a ninety-seven buyer at one hundred nine. Then he went into the Amsterdam Grade Two, finished second by you know by seven to the Great the New York Horse um, and New York Traffic. Yep. And so I think he's going to get a lot of money. Yeah, just, I, I, I can see it. It's it's a long layoff, you know. I I was thinking this was a starting point for for better things ahead for this one, and I was willing to beat right. between the running style and the and the layoff. But um, it's certainly a logical horse that I wouldn't really fight anybody who wanted to use. But I I was thinking if we had a chance, I thought my that that even if it does go to a closer, I kind of liked the. Uh, Loyal company above above that one at the prices they're going to be. That one at least had a run 35 days ago, even though it didn't work out well. I'm not that worried about it because it was on synthetic and he sort of made a little move into a hot pace. I think the seven will run better. I was just sort of hoping the eight would need one. 
All right. Well, I'm going to differ from you on that part because I think this was implementation, the four horse with Gaffleone. This is the kind of horse that sometimes, you know, you're betting these exotics, triples, um, maybe possibly exactly. But this horse is going to run on. It's Sappy yeah. Joseph Jr., Tyler Gaffleone, fast pace. And remember, they go in seven, not six. They go in seven. So I think this horse is going to be just off the pace, getting to the inside. They're going to be turned for home. And you might have one or two of them drawn away. And then this horse is going to come in, sneak in for third. So see that? I'm, I'm going to I'm going to say this. I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to box uh, triples. One, two, three with one, two, three with four. And that's how you can make a lot of money because you know this horse is not going to win. All right. But you know, he's going to run a race. He, he runs, you know, yeah, he says he was a 30 claimer, but he's now in Sappy's barn and Sappy's barn um, performs. And he's now in this class. And I'm telling you, this four horse is going to be third in this race. I like it. I like the confidence. And I think you might get double-digit odds on that. Well, not without Super Chow. You're going to probably get six to one on that horse. But still, that's enough potentially to juice up those those payouts, especially if you can get your three capture the lion in there. That could be a a nice payout if something something breaks your way. All right. It is time, I think, for you to head to the track, my friend. So we'll leave it there. But always fun talking racing with you and getting a little bit more of your history and views on the game. Larry, let's do it again next week. I'll see you then. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.